Well, hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Wow, what a week it has been if the uh, voice sounds a little bit croaky. It's been doing a lot of talking over the last uh, seven days and all with, uh, I'd like to say all with great effect. I'm not sure if that's true, but uh, it was all with great intent and all in the spirit of uh, enjoying the Australian Open that we've just experienced. I was joined by some of that by Magic Mike Carita, who joins us on the podcast tonight. Let's get him on board. Mike Creedy, welcome to the podcast. It's Tuesday night, uh, Melbourne time, so it's a couple of days past the finish of the Australian Open, which uh, we enjoyed. I said in the introdu- you know, I said in the introduction that uh, you know, the voice is a bit croaky. Um, words used to great effect. I'm not sure if what I meant there, but uh, I did a lot of talking. Is basically the short summation of what I what I meant. There was a lot of people that we both met. Uh, a lot of uh, things for me to talk about. The variety of capacity that I was in. You were down there in you know, an exclusive capacity of lover of golf and also correspondent at large for the My Love of Golf podcast. The first time we've been on a tournament venue together. Um, I had a good time. How, how, did, how, did, how are you, mate, firstly? I'm good. Probably a bit tired as well. I think, um, yeah, a PGA, a Queensland PGA or uh, an Australian PGA in Queensland rolled into an Australian Open uh, back-to-back week. I, I didn't obviously didn't play. I'm still tired. Uh, well, I... Well, I was about to say I obviously didn't play either, but <laughs> we, you went there early and you you just hand, you know, teed it up for me. Uh, yes, of That's course, it. of course, I did play. Of course, naturally, I played in the pro am on the Wednesday morning, seven o'clock shotgun start, teeing off on the sixteenth hole in front of there was t- there was two groups teeing off on the sixteenth hole, and uh, who was I teeing off in front of, Mike? U.S. Open. Jeff o- U.S. Open champion Jeff Ogilvie. So sixteen A was the group of. Uh, Flanagan, Brown, um, uh, David Howell, and Scott Carter, uh, yeah, the super group maybe, followed by Jeff Ogilvy and his playing partners um, from BMW or wherever they were from. Now, Mike, why would that be significant to me to be teeing off in front of the US <laughs> Open champion? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say that because you have done it before when you were playing with me once at PK on the South Course. First hole, um, yeah, it was. Was it Julian Sue and Suo? Suo, Suo, sorry. So Suo and Jeff Ogilvy were there, yeah. you know, watching, getting photos. It was a charity. It might have been the first time we'd ever played golf together. It was, it was. Yeah. And uh, what, yeah, and what happened? Uh, you hit a less than spectacular um, iron. No, it was a five. It was a five wood. Oh, was it a five wood? Mm. Um, yeah, little little scuttle, little scuttle topper. Wasn't it? Uh, it's being f- generous, calling it a scuttle. <laughs> <laughs> a scuttle suggested it somewhat made some motion forward in, in a forward motion and carried somewhat down into a playable distance. No, it basically got caught in the long grass, uh, the zoysia grass or whatever grass it is that fringes the, the uh, first tee. It was, a, it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my golfing career. And you, let, me, let me talk you through the thought process. And if you 
align to this thought process or, you know, don't. Uh, so it was my turn to tee off. Jeff, who I don't know that well, but know enough to say good day, Jeff, good day, Ross, how are you going? You know, great 37 points last week in the members' comp, Jeff's, Jeff. Um, I dropped my five wood down. And in Laura Davies' style, who I also had the pleasure of her company this week, now what does Laura Davies like to do? She likes to drop it down, stub it up, stub up a bit of grass and just hit it off the deck. I do that with anything other than a driver. Dropped it down, stubbed up a bit of grass, put the ball on the little bit of tea. It wasn't sitting quite perfect. So I was already on the back foot. And then I'm looking at the ball, thinking to myself, and if I've told this story before, I apologize, but it's worth it again because I'll tell you it off in front of Jeff Ogilvie again. I put the ball down and I'm saying there to myself in my own head, you idiot, you've just dropped a ball onto a stub of grass in front of a US Open champion and he's probably sitting there going, over there going, who's this flog? <laughs> don't, don't, doesn't he know that you should just put it on a tee and give yourself the best advantage? You know, and, um, and that's what happened. The result was a hit at five, five metres and... Uh, it was probably one of the most embarrassing times. But back to the point, uh, we teed off in front of Je- Jeff Ogilvy on the 16th, par three, very tough par three up the hill. If you watched the golf on the weekend at the Oz Open at Victoria, I hope you did. Um, we got off to a nice start and uh, we had a par. Anyway, enough about me and the pro-ams. We, I'm sure we'll come back to that in a later, later stage. Um, it was a great week of golf. I think in summation, Mike, it was a great week of golf. There's it was. quite a bit to talk about into the the machinations of how the weekend unfold how the week unfolded. Um, yeah. Obviously three major Australian championships decided at one venue on one day is as the signs all around the eighteenth green said, a world first. Hmm. Um, you would have to think in general it was a fairly positive outcome for for golf globally and also Australia. Thoughts on that? I'd agree. Um, I know Scott Hancock some flack pre-tournament around saying that they're both um, big enough and have enough legacy and history that they deserve their own week and their own uh, sun, day in the sun. Um, but I think, yeah, it was a triumph. I think that um, they had a great event. I think overall most people that that watched it would have enjoyed it, I think, being there or, or watching on TV. I think uh, – I think he had three great winners. So that, that at the end of the day, that, that's all we can ask for. Three good, three good events held in the same, same week. Yeah, and to get that event done, if you are less than across it, uh, it was across two courses: Kingston Heath and Victoria. Uh, you know, both the Thursday and Friday fields played alternately, same pins swapped over. Uh, as a spectator, you know there were some shuttle buses available. You could jump on a shuttle bus and. You know, shuttle between the two courses. Uh, there were some challenges with that uh, in terms of, you know, when Cam Smith finished on, was it the Friday? Yeah, the Friday. Uh, no, Thursday. Thursday, sorry. Yeah, on the yeah. Thursday, everyone jumped on the shuttle bus or everyone wanted to jump on the shuttle bus and get back to Victoria where to see the uh, afternoon field. And mm. there wasn't enough shuttle buses. So there's a little challenge there. Uh, a few media challenges, getting media uh, across and back and having media um you know, interviews post uh, round at one or the other when the media centre was based in Victoria. I knew that because yeah. I, I was in the media centre, so I got to see the inside <laughs> workings of that. We can talk about that. Um, but, you know, they're, they're small fractions of challenge, which I think in the large were overcome. Hmm. I think the, the weekend, 
generally was pretty pretty well you know it's proper golf tournament stuff and as you say three major champions decided adam scott didn't win maybe the local contingent wanted adam scott to win uh there was a lot of fans out there watching adam scott but uh he didn't win he was very close if it wasn't it was. for, if it wasn't for his uh blunder on the 17th uh knocking one out of bounds i was right there i took i was standing front uh front left of t uh inside the ropes taking photos and i've got photos of both of adam's uh lost ball and the uh provisional and uh so i got all the photos i was right there um and that's where it came unstuck for him and moronk just went pounce and just pounce and our boy moronk so that's that was a that's a headline story of this podcast our boy moronk yeah he uh he 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 was nails. Um, you're right. Adam Scott um, had a very poor 17th hole, and I think it was probably a, a sticking point for a lot of players this week. I think you saw a lot of players come undone on 17 this week. Um, I know we know we talked when we did the live cross. Herbie just had triple there, and um, even Ronk on the final round bogeyed there. It was clearly playing quite difficult. Um, but Moronk, let's not gloss over it. I mean, that round one seventy three at Vic. And then he's shot 66, 63, 66. That's exceptional. That is, you know, when they talk about him shooting and winning by five, um, obviously the, the, the eagle on the last doesn't hurt that that gap. But 63 is, is an unbelievable score at Vic. And to um, have a 66 on either side, one at Kingston Heath and one at Vic, is, um, yeah, unbelievable golf. And I think he, when we, we, the press conference on Saturday afternoon i'm pretty sure he put it down to the putter he, he talked about the fact that they said you know what's changed 73 to 66 he said they just found something with the putter and just feeling much more comfortable couldn't and he couldn't have put it any better than that he was very comfortable yeah um where did he have, remind me where did he have his best scores so where so 63 played. a week on saturday yeah and yeah. so where did he play on friday Friday at 66 at Kings and Heath. Okay, so he had a a good round, a bad round at Vic, and then yep. two good rounds at Vic. Yeah, so yeah, his um his average score was probably around 67, but that was because he had a 73 in there. Yeah, otherwise it would have been lower. Uh, the greens, uh, the greens definitely firmed up and got and got faster as the week mm. rolled on. Obviously, as you expect, with getting back to Melbourne normal temperatures, 36 degrees yeah. on Sunday, 30 something on Saturday. Uh, the Peel Distinction Greens were beautiful on Wednesday. Uh, not that fast, not that fast, but they definitely firmed up and uh, they had some pins in some some tricky positions in, in many uh, many holes. Um, but Moronk, and, yeah, one of the highlights, well, there were probably a number of highlights for me. Uh, what was your, one of your highlights from being there on the ground on Saturday? Um. I think it was just getting back to Vic. I haven't been there in, in a long time and just seeing it, Post Renault was 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 really good. That was definitely a highlight, and seeing the course itself. Um, play wise, I don't know. I, I I said to you when we got there, and I'm, I I love my golf, but I'm clearly not playing the same sport as these guys. Like when they make contact with a golf ball and the shape and the height and trajectory, and it's just every every single time I see a pro hit a golf ball, I'm I literally am in amazement. So they're probably like. Seeing the best in the world, some of the best in the world hit golf balls is is, is enough of a highlight for me. Uh, the distance, you know, like when we played on the Prime on Wednesday, we had a serious 
sort of distance advantage on a number of holes playing off the forward tees. We essentially played off the the red tees uh, and the pros were in many cases way back, like 40 metres back. And uh, just when you see the distances that they're hitting off those back tees with the accuracy because that, you know, when it goes back, the the fairway further forward just gets visually narrower. Mm. You know, you don't see it in the same perspective. So it's it's a lot harder proposition. And, uh, yeah, so they just... They're just, it's just another another game. You're exactly right. Um, highlights. I guess for me the week, you know, if I, I'm, I'm not, this is not a complaint. I was there from Monday morning at sort of 11 a.m. and finished up there at 8 p.m. on Sunday night and I was there every day uh, and there from like 7, 7.30 every day. We had a variety of things to do as part of the Drum and Golf Big Swing Golf Network. You know, Drum and Golf were clearly a, a major sponsor. So, you know, we had, that gives us some access to some certain things to do, some certain certain promotional opportunities. One of those promotional opportunities was to sit on the range on the warm-up days, uh, the practice days, and right through until the Thursday, uh, Friday actually, um, sitting on there with the full swing kit launch monitors. So you've heard me talk about them. It's the launch monitor that Tiger Woods has developed with full swing golf for Tiger, basically. It wasn't released until Tiger was happy with it. Now, it's really perfect for a number of the pros. It's not perfect for a lot of golfers, but if you've got eight grand, um, you know, you get 95% of what a TrackMan or a um, GC Quad gives you without the $35,000, $40,000 price tag. So we were there promoting, promoting, that's not the right word, but just having them there and letting some of the players that didn't have access to their own launch monitor devices to get some numbers and to get an experience of using that uh feature and that was great that gave me a lot of opportunity to talk to and get to know a lot of great people like Dimi Papadatos what a great player what a great guy uh Daniel Gale Daniel Gale congratulations to you um it turns out good friends with Ryan Pappenhausen you know, we, we saw them on Saturday Daniel Gale won the Wynnum Pro-Am on the day after the Vic PGA it's a big dollar one day event so he was one of the pros that stayed behind after the PGA played Wynnum and won rocks up on Tuesday morning on the range at 7 30 a.m gets on the full swing kit launch monitor and you know what he does? <laughs> Just launches into drivers. Like he's hit a couple of wedges, launches straight into drivers. What's the speed on that one, Ross? Oh, 125 miles an hour, Daniel. Oh, I need to get it up to 127. Oh, it was 120 something. Don't quote me on the yeah. numbers, but he was just going all out. First up, Tuesday morning, arrived at you know Sparrows the the night before after winning a big dollar pro am. He was obviously fairly happy and fairly pumped, but just launching into these uh, long yeah. long bombs for early doors. It was it was great. So we were we were ready to go after that. And you know, gee, um, what else? What else was you know just a little bit of a digestion on my week. And if I've spoken about this the other day, Mike, please stop me because I don't want to repeat for. I don't care about repeating for you. I'll tell you as many times. Um, more about the people at the other end of the microphone. Um, and thank you for joining us again. Uh, spending time with Ashley Buhai. Ashley's a wonderful woman. And uh, her husband, who you remember going nuts at the side of the green at the 18th at uh, Muirfield, who we spoke about. It was so good to because we spoke in that podcast po- post uh, her win at Muirfield. How great it was to see her husband, Dave, um, going nuts. Yeah, He was caddying for someone else at the time, not caddying for Ash. Uh, he got subbed in late in the event this week because Ash's caddy uh, had to leave and go back home, which is in, in Perth. Uh, Dave got subbed in. Um, he's obviously caddy for Ash before, and they did a great job and got the job done, uh, which we didn't know about on Saturday when we were sitting there. But uh, the Women's Australian Open went down really to the wire, that last part on the last hole. Um, if G if Xin 
missed a putt and she'd missed a few during the day. If she got that putt, it's back down the fairway uh, to a playoff, which, you know, Ash is pretty adept at because she had four holes, four playoff holes at the Open. Uh, she was obviously trying to avoid that, but uh, G.A. Shin missed that putt. Ash comes out of the fairway bunker, as did G.A. Shin on the 18th hole, gets her par, and then uh, and then gets the win. So that was, that was a great result because... As I say, she's a great girl, and um, it was an absolute pleasure to get a little bit of insight into her world, um, get to meet her, spend a couple of times interviewing her, and um, you know you can see some of that. You can see actually see that interview with Ash Buhai and uh, Brett Ogle on the Drummer Golf YouTube channel. I, I'm not doing the interviewing; I'm just holding the camera. Uh, that was great. Laura Davies uh, got to do the same with Laura. That interview will come out later, and just a. Uh, absolute character of the game. Um, it's great to spend time with her. Also, spent time on course with Brad Ogle, watching the master uh, drummer golf ambassador do some interviewing. That was uh, it's always a great time and funny uh, time spending time with Brad Ogle. Uh, who else did we talk to? Um, yeah, yeah, Sorry, we, I'm, well, I'm waxing on now. <laughs> um, yeah, we talked to like, look, it was it was probably one that probably was, was one of the highlights was how many people we got to talk to with the media passes and just sitting back um, around the interview area or the flash area as they called it um, post round so got to see and meet a lot of people um, everyone from you know Adrian Moronk and his caddy um, to everyone else in between I think at, at any given time there wasn't any time we walked over there where we didn't get to speak to about two or three different players which was great it was just great to be a part of and great to really great that like I think we said in the podcast last week that the that the powers that be gave us that access. Um hopefully they were happy with with, with all the stuff that we did in the last few weeks and um hopefully they let us do it again. <laughs> um but yeah I think it was just good. It was, it was just good to be a part of. Yeah. Uh standing there in that flash interview and you know the rest of the people there were the big hitters of of Australian golf media and like Evan Priest was there. Ports uh, Ports was there uh the Golf Australia media people were there and and me and you, yeah, and me with my little, you know, GoPro style DJ, DJI camera out there, yeah, um, recording it. You can see me, that. I, I, me, me, literally punching out tweet quotes from tweets as the person's coming out of their mouth. Mate, it was great. In, in it, was, it was absolutely awesome to, um, you know, to work in that sort of mindset. It's not something we've ever done. We sit here and call ourselves media because we're chucking out podcasts, but it's you know, you see the amount of work that the media do do, and that's the point of that. I wanted to draw from spending a week traipsing in and out you know, at free will from the media centre. You just, from Monday afternoon, it was all systems go. There were plenty of people in there. Golf Australia magazine were there. Golf Digest magazine were there. The other associated people there. Dozens of Golf Australia, PGA Tour, DP World Tour, all on the ground, all busy um, getting all the stuff done. And the other part is, and this is what I'm learning, you know, doing video on camera, on phone, doing audio on camera, on phone, the timeliness of that, that I've got... Moronk's interview from Saturday, for example, which I didn't get time to. Um, no, I did publish that one. There was one that I didn't publish. Anyway, I've got an interview. I've got. Sorry, yeah, the Adam Scott one put up. I didn't say the Moronk. Yeah, one I didn't publish. I didn't publish the Moronk one. And you've just got to have. You've just got to get it out there. And and just the speed that these guys shuttle in and shuttle out with um, audio and and camera stuff, um, photos. Obviously, the TV crews in another sort of compound. And doing all the TV with Ali Whitaker and Ewan Porter and Warren and um, uh, Scott and all those guys and Gowie, whatever. But the the media guys are doing all the social and the Twitters and the photos. They're just wrangling this data, and, and that's a new term that I learned: data wrangling. It's actual concept, and and they've just got servers there, just 
the data comes in from the photographers and whoever else, and they just upload it. And then there's people there just searching through it and then turning it around and uh, out it goes. And it was just a, a phenomenal thing to be able to see and watch. And uh, I'm not sure if it's something that uh, I see myself doing as a full-time thing like they are, but uh, it was certainly a great experience to, to see it and to, to be able to and, you know, um, to be able to do it. And, you know, you know that I got a bit nervous, you know, standing there with my camera when the other guys have got their mobile phones and I was standing with my camera videoing and I just had this thought, am I allowed to video this? Is there any rights over video, you know, that we shouldn't use or we should only use audio for the purpose of transcribing into written but um, Hazy from, you know, the former Golf Australia media manager, he quickly said, Ross, you know, you're here, you've got the right to, to do or say, and you've got the right to use. So, you know, knock yourself out in, in some respects. And it was really comforting to hear that. And I just got a little bit more confident with um, the ability to walk around and certainly get some photos and do some video stuff inside the ropes, which was great. And thanks for all the people that came up and said g'day. I really appreciate that too. So a lot of people, um, yeah. Who did I see? I was golf addicts. Big, uh, big Marcus came up, took a photo of me, had a, a sneaky photo, and then and then posted it, sneaking down trying to get a photo of Moronk on the fourteenth, I think it was. Gary Lisbon, Gary Lisbon came up, tapped me on the shoulder, said good day, commented on the photos that he'd seen us post. Great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's really good. That was a good event. Um, worthy winners, um, as you said, Ashley Buhai got there in the end, close one, I think. Early doors, I thought Hannah Green was going to run run away with it. Sixty eight round one, even Grace Kim sixty six. I probably thought Hannah might have a little bit more ability and shine through, but Grace played very very well and finished um, with her right up the top of the pointy end of the um, leaderboard. Um, but yeah, Ashley Buhai and and um, Jai was she the one who the story that Brendan James wrote today about the player who played at Kingston Heath in the morning and wanted to get the bus back to Vic or didn't have a courtesy car to get herself back to Vic and she yeah. tried to get on the and the, and the bus driver on the bus the bus driver wouldn't let her on with the golf clubs which yeah. I, which I find absolutely I know. unbelievably <laughs> ludicrous like she just played an event can't get back to the host five, five kilometers you know no disrespect to Jia Shin but she's about four foot seven she's, you know, <laughs> she could sit comfortably with the golf bag in front of her yeah and uh anyway Yep. I'm sure it got worked out. Uh, yeah. That, that's all you need to be on the one course, on the one on the one paddock, Ross. Well, we'll get to that point too. Uh, Grace Kim, I think, stood up. You know, she didn't have – she just faltered on the last hole. You know, she'll learn from that and take, take some uh, learnings away back to her first year on the LBGA Tour next year. But what a great final round for her up until that, you know, 72nd hole. But great young golfer, just plays – Gets around, gets it done, smiles when she can, serious when she when she needs to be, and just knocks the ball around and gets it done. It's great. Uh, the other, uh, of course, Australian uh, championship that was decided was the Australian All Abilities Championship. And you know, if there was one thing that stood out was just the admiration and respect that the crowd had for mm. the guys playing in that tournament. Uh, a lot of people hadn't had the exposure to the All Abilities golfer. You know, if you don't follow uh, the DP World Tour and the Edgar series and you, and you only get a little bit of uh, the G4D, sorry, um, you only get a little bit of the coverage when in the 10 events that their G4D um, tour is attached to the DP World Tour. So if you haven't really followed it, you haven't seen 
Brendan Lawler and Kip Poppett and Mike Brown and um, Tommaso, I forget his surname, sorry about that, um, play and how good they are. Perino. Tommaso Perino. We had a chat to Tommaso Perino. We did. We did. He wasn't... uh, what is how many shots did he leave in the bunker? He was telling us about. He, I think he had three or four to get out, and he was. <laughs> I think he was struggling a bit on day two with the pots. Uh, but the reason why we spoke to him, he had just hold out on eighteen, so it was quite played a lot. You know, he hold out of the side of the greenside bunker on eighteen, so that was Tommaso. We had a chat to Tommaso. Uh, very funny, very hospitable man. Um, but the crowds just, I think, really appreciated and respected the work that these guys do to get out there and play such good golf. Um, Unbelievable, Kip Poppet, two under on the final day. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's seven better than anyone else in the field. That's very good. Yeah. So uh, to, to our friend Mike Brown, you know, he was leading at the halfway mark, ostensibly at the halfway mark, he was maybe one or two in front. Then didn't have the greatest tenth hole. Then had a terrible back nine. Uh, maybe the seventeenth hole in uh, in that third, his second round. They play three rounds. Uh, and then just didn't pull it back from there. So bad luck to you, Mike. Um, you know, you got to sniff out in front. We've just got to get you to finish it off and, um, you know, keep grinding away, mate. Keep grinding away. But uh, a great championship there, and Christian mm. Hamilton from Golf Australia needs to be uh, absolutely applauded because he does a mountain of work, not just in Australia, but, you know, as a board member for Edgar globally. Um, he does a mountain of work for uh, inclusive golf all around the world and giving the... Um, all abilities players the opportunity to shine on the on the biggest of stages. So well done. Um, what else? Media Street. Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable week. Just a great. It experience. was a good week. Yeah, lucky. I think overall, um, it was good. It was great to be there. I think it was a, it was a win. I think we we overviewed a lot of the things that that probably had challenges with. Is the best way to describe it. Um, I know as as we just talked about before, Brendan James's articles gone through a few of the little hiccups they've had. I'll put them down as hiccups. Um, some of the other ones were Adam Scott not having a car ready to take him from the hotel to the course after leading into the final round. Somewhat of a hiccup. What, yeah. I don't know. What, what would you do if he missed his tea time and it was it was the organiser's fault? That would have been a bit a bit tricky. Um, some of the other stuff that I thought was a bit interesting, not interesting, maybe not, was um, players of world calibre being refused passes for guests. I thought it, it's not, it sound, does sound petty a little bit, I guess, but Adam Scott said to me as an organiser, I need four passes for family or friends to come to the clubhouse. You you can't say that getting knocked back anytime soon. I don't mean maybe he already had 20 and that was the problem um, and the extra four was too much, but if there's a, if, if those sorts of stories are floating around about, about those sorts of requests being knocked on the head, I think that's a bit, a bit odd. I think that I mean, I'm not a member of Vic, um, but I would have thought that, you know, the members were there. They would have loved having Adam sitting there with his family or friends close around and having a a beverage up on the balcony there overlooking the first hole and enjoying life um, instead of him just shooting through. Um, But, yeah, look, I think for me it was – it would have been really, really difficult to put together and at two world-class courses but obviously not being next door to each other. Um, I just think – about it, whether whether there's a way to um, make it work um, with having those three tournaments coinciding on the same week again like this or whether it's just too much. I don't know. Unless they're all on the same paddock. I don't know. Well, we won't know until a few more years uh, until it finishes being played in Sydney. 
I think uh, no. Do we know where it is next year? I know that someone said it's up in Sydney again, but I don't know where. I'm I'm, I'm guessing it's at the Australian or the Lakes. I think it's the Lakes. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to the Sydney siders, but I think after seeing some of the participation in 2019 and previous Opens in Sydney, I think prove us wrong by getting the numbers on the data, but the data on the numbers of attendance. But uh, I, th- I think it was far more participation patronised um, in, in Melbourne and I think people just come out for it in Melbourne, you know, sporting events. I don't want to say anyone in Sydney, and I'll pr- pr- please prove me wrong, but I think... Um, Go get them, Ross. Yeah, have nothing I, for them. I think, uh, Sydney. I, think uh, <laughs> I think the world wants to see Australian tournament golf uh, at the best level on the best courses and this can't be challenged. The best courses are in Sydney, in, in oh, Jeepers, the best courses are in Melbourne. No, no. Nearly had a hand in your membership then for us. Absolutely. The best courses are in Melbourne and people globally and Australia want to see and, yeah. the, and the players want to play on these courses. And yeah, that, they that's do. the thing. They, the players want to play on Sandbelt. Um, Cameron Smith said in yep. his press conference, which I did um, record, and I think that part is in the Instagram, I want to come back and play on the Sandbelt. And even when I'm not playing a tournament, I want to come down here and play more of this golf and bring my mates. If, yep, if, that that's, sums it up. if that's not the only number one recommendation that you need to have any big tournament, President's Cup, otherwise, or Australian tournament on the sandbelt somewhere, uh, then I don't know what is. Now, how do they answer the question you've got, Mike? How do we get the tournament streamlined so some of these challenges don't happen? Well, I know the way. I know the answer. Well, I know what your answer is. Before we get to your answer, the, my honest answer is that we can't have the women and the men playing in the same event the same week. Hmm. I just don't think it's got nothing to do with pace of play, anything else, but for a national open, I agree it was a disappointing that we had a secondary cut at 54 holes because I think there were people that were not necessarily fighting for the first position that could have been sitting at 35th on the leaderboard after round three and gave themselves a chance to fight to get up to the top top three and, and not already qualified for the a, a, a open championship spot. Yep. There's other things going on outside of just dollars and cents. So um, for me, I, I, I think maybe there's something there where you can have the all abilities and the and the men's running at the same time and the women's at a different and, and their own big event. Maybe you run them... Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a way to do it. Maybe you run the women's from uh, Monday to Monday to Thursday or Sunday to maybe it's Sunday to Wednesday, and then you run the men's straight in after. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, that that's one way. But what your way would be what? Well, the is, is, is your hat giving me a clue? Yeah, no fear. The answer's on top of my head. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's Mona a, links. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, if Frankston's too far to travel for the Mel- <laughs> the Melbourneians, uh, Moonalinks Links is not no not that there's anything wrong with hosting a big tournament at Moonalinks Links over thirty six holes, no. but there is a world class facility sitting in the doorstep of of uh, Crown Towers. You know, it's not too the the shadow doesn't cast too much further <laughs> down the freeway to uh, get to Peninsula Kingswood. You can see it from the third tee out there across the bay. What a, it's a, it's calling out for a big. A big event. Just sign it up. Sign it. Give it a five-year contract. Uh, you I know, think, I, uh, I can't speak for all the members, but uh, or I can, or I can speak yeah, for one. I think I think two. I think a double, um, two courses on the one paddock would be great. If not, it's got to be somewhere like Royal Melbourne and Vic. Um, 
just because they're literally next door. It's got to be, yeah. But Having them separate makes it difficult, even as a punter for me, right? I live in the opposite side of town. For me to get there, on say if I didn't get there on Thursday or Friday, right? But if I did and I wanted to pull in and see some golf, I, I literally need to choose which one I'm going to because unless I'm going to get that bus and then I, and when I get over there and I'm going to get a bus back again, um, that's a bit of a pain. But, you know, it's easier to say have it at one 36-hole venue, but still on the on the last day, you know, you want it on the one course it's just for people to you know, get, you, ar- get around. and. No, know. no, that, that, that 100%. 100%. Don't disagree with that. Don't disagree with that at all. So it's there's not a perfect solution for, you know, essentially what is a, golf, a peak body of golf um, trying to, have a great marketing initiative to promote the game and do something different. And I still maintain that Golf Australia and Golf in Australia needs to be applauded for that. Is it perfect? No. But, you know, is it step one in three or four more steps to make it perfect or make it much better than what it is? Probably. But it's it's a it's a great initiative, I think, that the fans like that. The ones that don't get involved in the 54-hole cut and the challenges for that, for the players, which I totally respect and, and accept as a, as a challenge. But, you know, I think the crowds and being in the crowds, you know, I followed the last two groups. Like I basically followed Moronk's group and then dropped back to Buhai's group. Moronk, and I just floated up in between those two groups all day. And the obviously that's where the majority of the crowds were. And the crowds were equally behind, not equally, 80, 60, 60, 40, 55, 45, you know, split between the men and the women's group. But there were plenty of guys out there, and I'd say guys as in men, following the women, cheering on Hannah Green. Come yeah. on, Hannah. Yeah. Plenty more holes to go. It was great. But but that's the thing. They're, they're, they're following names. They're following, the, they're following the people they get to watch. Now, I won't say heaven forbid, but I'll say heaven forbid. You imagine that that um, leaderboard, if you removed Moronk, Scott, and Minwoo, who are the, right at the pointy end, and you had Canizares, Barron, Geary, Martin, Matt Miller, Connor Purcell, Tom Lewis, Jason Norris, Hayden Hotwell, yeah. I, I don't reckon they would have been, that, that would have been worst case scenario with well, Cam missing that secondary cut. Well, it's a given that we know that these, we need the big names. Of course, no, no. We need them, but we need them playing. We need them in contention. Yeah. Um. We need. We. You know. If that was the women's event, obviously the women's event was light on top tier, um, women. You know, world global women. Um. But yeah, you're going to follow Hannah Green. You're going to follow Minji Lee. Um. Same as they were following Adam Scott Minwooly. Um. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't disagree. I. Th- I normally, that you still had the people when we were there following Cam Smith or following Adam Scott because that's who they went to see. Hmm. But then there were a lot of people that were just parking and had no issue with, oh, I'm going to watch this group because then Minji Lee group's coming through and then um, Min Woo Lee's coming through and then blah, blah, blah. they weren't moving just because the women or the or all abilities were coming through. They were getting involved and enjoying yeah. all of it, which is which is exactly what you wanted. And I said men there before because – they were, they were the ones you could hear cheering. You know, it's more likely the men were yelling loudly and cheering. But there were plenty of women there following the golf as well. There was there was a it was a mixed crowd of golfers. Yeah. In in there, 
men, women, children, uh, otherwise. It was there was plenty of people of all all um, you know demographics. Uh, it was great. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but back to Peninsula Kingswood, uh, I'd love to see a tournament down there. I'd love to see it. <laughs> would tournament. you? Yeah, I would. I don't know if you've ever mentioned that. Mm, I think it could do a great. When do you re- when do you reckon they can poss- When do you reckon there's an honest chance that they'd possibly get one? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I think uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. When? My opinion. Mm. My person. Mike's. Mike's personal crystal ball opinion. Well, I can't challenge it because you've been right every time. If I was Peninsula Kingswood yes. and I was looking for an event, I'd be knocking on the door of an event that has another 36-hole men and women event that gets paid on the other side of the bay. Ah, oh, right. I see. That took long enough to sign it up this year. Maybe there's an opportunity no, right. Don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about anything. No. We're, we're all very much across that. But um, yeah. Why? Why couldn't you get the Vic Open there? It'd be a perfect little test board. Perhaps. Perfect. 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 You know, so perfect way for you to showcase. You can hold the big event, and then nail out, nail down um, the opportunity if they do come up moving forward. But also get rid of all the little wrinkles that you don't want to learn of when you get the first big event. So. As an example, so your first big event's the President's Cup and then you find it, there's actually a lot of problems here. We didn't think of how this is going to work and how that's going to work. Hmm. You'd rather get that done with, you know, a third of the crowd or 20% of the crowd um, for a big open. Uh, well, of course, there's some other events to be played on the professional scene in Australia. Uh, and talking about Peninsula Kingswood, it's the final uh, round of the Sandbelt Classic, uh, Sandbelt Invitational, sorry, uh, which is hosted by Jeff, o- Jeff Ogilvie. And uh, it's played across, uh, what is it, um, Royal Melbourne, Yarra Yarra, Kingston Heath, Peninsula Kingswood. I don't know the order of the courses in the first three, but I know that Peninsula Kingswood North course is the uh, course that will be played on the final day, final day? Which, yeah. which is the 23rd. So it's just a couple of days before Christmas. Um, Jeff did confirm that it is the North course before I um, told him that I wasn't going to top my six iron on you know, any further. Have they got a pro-am? Uh, they probably will have a pro-am, but I, I won't. I'll be I'll be lucky if I get to the. I want to get to the the uh, the Peninsula Kingswood, but I won't get to the four days of it. But anyway, that event takes place. There's a couple of other events. There's another one kicking off this week, the Super Sixes. Yep. Uh, and then we've it's just fin- just finished one today. The other event, which these golfers um, are athletes. That they are athletes. You know, they've rolled out of four days of golf. Many of them have rolled out of four days of golf and jumped on. Helicopters jumped in the car and burned yep. straight up the highway to Cathedral Lodge to play in the Cathedral Invitational. Obviously, mm. a limited and invite-only field. But um, my cousin picked it up. My cousin picked up the win. <laughs> Your cousin. Yeah. Your brother from another mother. Well, isn't, of course, Nick Flanagan, who congratulations to Nick from Newcastle. Obviously, from Newcastle, I'm from Cessnock closely aligned part of the Hunter Valley, great, the great part of the great Hunter Valley, uh, Nick Flanagan. I, everyone asked me, is Nick Flanagan your cousin? I went, no, he's not. He spelt, his name's spelt differently. Of course he's not related. But, you know, I've used that joke for a few people, kept kept him on the line for a little while. But no, Nick Flanagan isn't related to Ross Flanagan. But well done. He is from Newcastle. He's a good Hunter Valley boy and has toured away in the US for a long time. What tour does he 
plays golf on now? Is he still Corn Ferry or is he? Good question. Yeah. I think he's probably, to be honest, I think he's probably lost his card. He did win it a couple of times on the Corn Ferry mm-hmm. Tour or whatever it was called back then, web.com or um, former US Amateur. Any other names? He's one of the Australians that's won the US Amateur. Correct. Yep. 2003 ish, I'll say. Um, USM. So he got to play in the Masters, which was, you know, back in the day. Um, oh, did he get the play of Tiger? Trying to think of who he played with in uh, those first couple of rounds. So, um, yeah, he got to do all the things, the fun things you get you get to do when you win that. Um, yeah, he's he's probably by his own admission been in a bit of no man's land, probably due to lack of spots to play. I read an article this evening post him winning, and he said coming in, uh, he left the young family back at home in the states and came over and was just going to see how it went, and he's probably a little bit resigned to the fact that if it didn't go well, it might be just this is not for me anymore. I'm going to go and do something else. And then look what happens. You go and bloody win. So all of a sudden now he's uh, said he's going to be first person signing up for next year's Cathedral Invitational. Uh, put him down now. And um, yeah, he'll probably, you know, it's 100,000 Aussie um, prize money for first, which is, which is not, uh, not to be sneezed at for him. And yeah, he's hoping to get back and maybe play a little bit more golf and bring the family over. So yeah, that was good. Really good to see. Well, it seems by all accounts, you know, what you've read and what we've seen coming through the socials, it was uh, a great event for the players mm. that played. Uh, no, it looked great. It look, it's one of those courses that I think anyone that plays golf in Australia is very keen to see more of. It, it, the course does look, if nothing else, it has a, mis- has a mystique to it. It has something that, you know, it, it's got a bit of, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but because you, it's not easy to access, you want to know more about it. And that's that's sort of draws you into it and I think having you know having the support of guys like Leash and Adam Scott and Kari Webb and all these superstar golfers going out there is great um, so they've done exceptionally well to get it, get it done and um, yeah it would be good to see it would be good to see it coming on each year um, I'd probably prefer it to be Tuesday Wednesday than Monday Tuesday I, I know that probably there's issues there for players to get there but I think it kind of bleeds too far into the Aussie Open well and it's not going to be easy for us to, you know, finish off our newfound media commitments on a Sunday at an Australian Open, then burn then straight sh- back to Cathedral Lodge, is it? Shoot the, shoot the two hours out, um, two hours north to go. No, it doesn't make it easier. Yeah. And it, well, especially when we've got other jobs to actually go and do that, that oh, pays money. <laughs> oh right, okay, that too. Yeah, uh, yes, I forgot about that. Uh, Twelve hours at the Drum Golf uh, yesterday. Yes. Um, yeah. No, we d- we won't be able to do that, um, like that, but. Uh, yeah, it, I believe the intention is that it's going to keep going and, and David Evans, as we discussed on the podcast mm. last week, um, he sees big things. He wants to showcase Australian talent. He wants to showcase uh, his property. And yep. um, and I think that that sums it up. I mean, you look at the list of people that are there. Yeah, you've got, I won't say stalwarts, but you've got older. I say older, you know, Nick Flanagan, probably seven or eight years younger than me, but Nick Flanagan, Scott Arnold, you know, but then you've got Kari Webb, who's obviously probably, if not the best Australian golfer ever we've ever produced right in the top couple. But you've got Grace Kim, uh, Gabriella Ruffles out there, all finishing in top top six. Um, Louis Dobbler was out there, was leading after round one. Uh, great player. Mavo Ancliffe was out there. Elvis Smiley, like, you want to talk about talent coming through the ranks. They, they're, they're, they're the names that Aussie, Aussie golf followers are going to hear for the next 10, 15 years. I... Uh... Elvis Smiley was one of the players that I spent some time with, with the full swing kit, and also his caddy. You know who his caddy was? 
Mike, I do. Mike Clayton. Mike Clayton. Uh, two, two great golf people to talk to. You know, Mike Clayton with all his wealth and knowledge and his dry, just shoot straight down the line, you know, tell you how it is. And uh, and young Elvis Smiley, you know, obviously a very uh, articulate young man, very well educated, very well brought up, but an unbelievable golfer in the same same breath and just uh, sit there. He's a left-hander and just sits there and absolutely flushes it. And uh, he was working on a few things and um, what a talent. What a talent Elvis Smiley is. What's that name? Keely Marks played. You know, she, as we heard from David Evans, she wrote a beautiful letter and um, as one of the top-ranked Australian Women golfers, she got an invite up there. Uh, I don't know how she went went today, but um, yeah, great. It was tough conditions yesterday, I believe. Very windy up there. It didn't hurt. Um, it didn't hurt. Um, Louis Dobler. Louis Dobler had a had a really really good round one. Mm. I was really hoping he'd hang on. Yeah. Um, he's been uh, he's been playing. You know, he's been a bit up and down. Not not bad, not good, but just. Um, just plugging along, but he had a a very good round one and was leading. He was at, he shot sixty eight round one, but he had set back that was seventy five today. You wanted to know how who was it? Keely Marks. Keely Marks um, seventy seven yesterday, but fought right back today with a seventy one, which is great golf. It's great. Yeah, where really, she, really. Where did she golf. finish? T twenty two. So if you think about the people that who did she she's beat? got, yeah, who did she beat? Yeah, who did she beat? But she tied with Julianne Sue, Jed Morgan, Sarah Jane Smith, Jake McLeod. She beat Jeff Ogilvy. What's he ever done? Nothing. Uh, Paul Gow, Marcus Fraser, Dimi Papadados, Nico Hearn, Mika, uh, Harrison Crow, Blake Windred, Stephanie Bunky. Saw Stephanie Bunky um, this week. She's a great golfer. And she, I love just Steph because she's got a personality. She looks like she'd be, you know, just enjoying herself, which is great. Uh, Stephen Allen, Peter Lonard, still lo- looking as fit as ever, Peter. Actually, the last few weeks when I've seen him. Uh, DJ Lopar, Cassie Porter, Lincoln Teague, who I will be. He said too had a rough couple of days here, and he didn't finish off the way I wanted to since he played at Mooner in, in that playoff. I'm still going to keep an eye on Lincoln Teague. Um, Mark Azani, Mike Brown, Blake Collier, Peter O'Malley, Ryden McPherson, and Whitney Hillier rounded out. There's a few behind it. 46, 46 players. That's a pretty good effort for a for a young talent and uh, playing on a course. I'm not sure she'd been up there or had the opportunity to play a practice round, but uh, well done, Keely. Top M. Top M um, and finished better than midfield, so you can't argue with yeah, that. Perfect. Well, what else do we need to talk about? We've got the Super Sixes, Gippsland Super Sixes, so we know how that format rolls. It's uh, 36 goals yeah. a stroke and then it moves into a, like a bracketed match yeah. play? Or? Yeah, I think it's 36 holes stroke and they rank everyone. I think they, And then I think they take the top. 36, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, it could be less than that. Might be even... Uh, let's just say it's 36, but I, oh, now I've got a feeling it's less. And then they play, uh, yeah, six-hole match play. Uh, sorry. Oh, if it's not much less, it's best of six, whatever it is. And all of the... Yeah, obviously the big guys go home, but uh, all of those names that you've been following on, the Australian uh, pros will be playing there. I just want to peel yep. back to the, um, to the uh, competition of uh, giving away... Two tickets, David Evans. Let us give yes. away two tickets and two caps, and also um, a couple of ball markers were thrown in. So we gave we gave that away to uh, a loyal follower for a long time, someone who listens to the podcast regularly. And thank you very much to Brian King and your son Mitchell uh, for winning the prize to get the two tickets to go up to Cathedral. 
and uh, they had a great day today. I was getting regular updates, photos coming down the pipeline. Brian's posted them all. I'm going to post some uh, after we do this and after I get this posted, and I'll post them tonight, and you can see all of the pictures that Brian took up there. Had a great day. You know, young Mitchell is a 15-year-old golfer, plays at Mandalay, playing off seven, has aspirations, and for him to have seen the golf at the Australian Open mm. and then to back that up and get up close and personal, much more so than you were able to get at the Aussie Open. Yeah. And to see the likes of Gab Keeley and some of the other younger golfers and him just to realise what they're doing and see how they do it. Now, in particular, you know, he gets coached at Yarra Bend, as does Keeley. So, you know, he's been seeing the the um, trajectory of Keeley getting coached by one of the adjoining coaches. So it was great for him to see there. So they were, uh, Brian rang me today. He was really appreciative, posted some photos. So that was great to be some able Great to, photos too. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't see any snakes. Um, didn't see any That's, snakes, I asked him. It's not, it's not a bad thing. Uh, Nick, Nick Wall called me today. Actually, Nick Wall from Airswing Media, obviously one of the friends, fans, one of the friends of the podcast because he's been a previous guest. Nick does all of that wonderful work flying all around the world and flying his drone all around the world. So he was up there contracted to do all of the drone work that you'll see when they put out the package, uh, the TV package. So it wasn't live. There was a few things that I saw that people were asking, mm. where's the coverage? You promised coverage. Where is the coverage? Well, there is coverage, but it's going to be packaged up and presented in a you know, show-type format, not a live sports broadcast-type format. So they had a team of people up there. Nick was part of that team. He rang me because uh, we'd been trying to catch each other. We had to nip back to his hotel, pick up his laptop. So he gave us a buzz and gave me a rundown of how it was. He said it was very windy up there. He's got the big Aspire drone, the big thing with big wings, and uh, he said it was even that was the wind was battering that around. Uh, but he, he said it was just unbelievable, and uh, the place is, is very special. Um, so it was good to hear from him. He saw three snakes. That's why I was saying that stuff. He saw three snakes in one day up there. That's that's an easy day, Kate Wickham. He can talk about snakes up there because it's not going to exactly scare the punters away because there is no punters to go up there. No. Um, uh, anyway, well, well done, Brian, uh, and thank you. Yeah. Um, it was great. We've still got some more giveaways to do. now. We do. We've got the hat. Yep. And... This is, this is where we go back to talking about me and we'll probably wind it back. Uh, it's over there. If you're looking, uh, if you watch on the video, there's only one person that watches the video. That's my dad. Um, there's a tight stand bag over there. We might give away in time. We might have a Christmas straw. What do you, what do you reckon, Mike? We, we roll I, like, the, I like the Christmas straw. We roll the hat that we said we'd give away in the Oz Open. We give, we'll roll that into a Christmas straw with a tightless bag, the tightless balls, some other tightless accoutrements that were part of the giveaway pack at uh, the Pro-Am. That's where the bag came from, Mike. Did what I? What about it? Sorry, yeah, I know, you know, you know. Oh, sorry, go on. Like you could, lit I, I have a funny feeling that's how Drum and Golf City started. Was just literally you just started selling all the stuff out of your boot that you'd won in long drive competitions, and then all of a sudden you just decided to open a shop or something. Is that, no, is that how it works? No, it didn't. No? It definitely, I I was a customer of Drum and Golf way before I became involved in the in the Drum and Golf uh, family, and and it's only through being part of that family that I get opportunities like this to represent at pro-ams and get invitations to do that and it doesn't happen all the time we, we joke about it but you know and please uh, also it's drum and golf but it's more so the team at Bushnell you know very big supporters of the podcast the team here at Bushnell and uh, you know I'm a big supporter of theirs I use their products you can see one there you can see the 
the, the, the speaker behind. Um, so use the Bushnell product. Sorry, go on. But before we move on the yeah. on the exceptional Bushnell products, I have to say to Paul that hmm. my lens it's very foggy, yeah. and I can't I can't figure out why on my Bushnell that it's like there's water in it or something, and I, I couldn't figure it out. To, but that you did help me figure it out. Do you want to let everyone know what it was? We just have to focus it, mate. There's a little diopter on the end there. If you watch the video where I give the tutorial on the new Pro X3, state-of-the-art, yep. we talk about the diopter, and that's what you do to adjust the focus. You just had to adjust it for your ageing eyesight. Here's me feeling like I've got to, I've got to go and tell Ross the bad news that my, my, my new no. push nor doesn't work, and I don't know what, what I've done to break it. And then you go, did you... Did you tune the the lens and i'm like how do you do that mm. my old one was point and shoot <laughs> uh even uh even our even the guest down from down central from central coast matt was hammer was um having a solid laugh at that well it was good to say uh there we go we hope we hosted uh one of the podcast listeners at uh, a big swing golf venue obviously you can play big swing golf we he took him on over did you play nine holes well yeah, played might be a, a stretch. We both we both um, were there and we tried to play nine holes at Pebble, front nine, and there were some good shots and bad shots, but we both were pretty bad, like very bad. So I Matt, think we both shot a million. So Matt lives up in uh, Newcastle Way, up in the Hunter Valley, uh, listened to the podcast, came down to Melbourne for some business trip. Mike and I met him in a big swing golf. Mike took him on to Pebble Beach and uh, they had a catch-up and it was great. It was just Really nice to connect with someone who, you know, we've only connected with through the Discord channel. He's a great contributor to Discord. Obviously, very knowledgeable about his uh, PJ Talk, loves your tips. Um, so it was great to see Matt. And uh, if you're listening, Matt, and got this far an hour in, great to, great to catch up with you. Mm. Um, he used to play at the same club as my dad. He hasn't met my dad, but uh, he knew who my dad was because he could hear the accent. So he said, I don't, I don't know your dad, but I, I, could, I know who he is because I could hear, I him, hear him all the time. I told my dad that. He said he, he, knew, he knew your accent because you were the loud one in the club. <laughs> I'm not loud. Oh, not me. I'm not loud. No, not me. Uh, no, he didn't say that. Um, yeah, anyway, so um, that was great. That was good. Oh, did I mention I won a long drive? Sorry, That's, you did. I, I took you away from that. We're going oh. back to the prize giveaway. I'm, I, I'm pointing at the prize. The the the, the state players for standby. We're going to be giving that away for Christmas. I like that. The only thing I'd add in yep. is I think we we need to figure out the way to do a big draw. Hmm. Get a lot of people's names, but we do a first, second, and third. And and the first name out, can, you know, like we just break it up because it, as much as I love I love the idea of someone winning a great thing for. Um, Christmas. Yeah, I think that winning a bag or winning the signed hat or winning, you know, whatever whatever you've got there, would be would be great if you spread it out across three people. If anyone wants to give anything to give away, we're we are free pluggers here. Like yep. we, there is no sponsorship here. We do not get paid for anything. Anything that we give away, we've either won and yep. return that. Yeah. A couple of people laugh at me, obviously, in the industry when they see me win a bag and they go, oh, the golf guy win the golf bag. How great. You know, straight into – I get the old straight into stock, Ross. You know, you're going to put that yeah. the, straight into the bottom line. Of course not. I give – everything that I win, I give away. Yeah. Um, you bought the hat up there in, in – uh, I did. I was going to wear the hat because it was too hot and I didn't I didn't have my, my love of golf hat with me. And then instead, 
I wore it for about 10 seconds and saw Cam Smith and got him to sign it. Then I thought, I better not sweat this. I'll give it away on the... It was either going to go to my mum, who's Cam Smith's super fan, or give it away on the podcast. And when I when mum saw the photo <laughs> that you put on Instagram and I told her that we were giving it away on the podcast, she was a bit flat. I won't lie. She was a little, she, I said, what are you going to do with a canary yellow title of that? She goes, you don't know your mum well enough. I would have worn that. Like You wouldn't have worn that. I'm surprised Cam didn't rec- remember you. Two weeks, two weeks in a row, two weeks in a, <laughs> like, like a big, you know, bald man lining up in amongst the children for an autograph. <laughs> no, the 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 second time around was easy. The second time around, it was he was signing everything, and and to be fair to Cam, he was done. As he said after his, he didn't think he'd made the first cut, so he was already at the pub with the boys on the beers and well and truly <laughs> into the beers. And by his own admission, had probably had a few too many when he found out that he'd actually made the cut and had a 7 a.m. tee off. So uh, the, the reverse U tee times weren't exactly helping him out. Uh, not quite the same level of celebratory uh, escapades from the week before, which have, no. gone, which have definitely gone global. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be giving that away. Uh, I do also want to say another thanks once again uh, to someone who um, – yeah, has sent us some product to use and try, and we have also given some of that away. And yeah, you, it is available at Big Swing Golf um, for those. It's uh, Arun from Caddy Snacks, and I've got the Caddy Snacks uh, hoodie on. If you want to watch the YouTube, um, I'm pretty sure you can buy them off uh, Caddy Snacks. Uh, yep. It's a big. It's gone cold. It was like 40 degrees on the weekend, and all of a sudden it's no, 19, it's 19 degrees, and it's back to hoodie season. Uh, I've got the Caddy Snacks thing on to, just to say a small thanks to Arun. I was out there on, is it the 14th tee that I, up high, 14, 15, at, uh, Vic, at Vic, the dog leg right, the elevated uh, tee, dog leg right, 14, 15, 16 par six, three, yeah, 16, 16 yeah, par three, yeah. yeah, so the 14th tee, and it was really hot, and uh, I'd been out in the sun taking photos, I was carrying my camera, I didn't have my strap, so... You know, I was carrying about five kilos. You know how much that weighs, Mike? Because uh, yes, I, I, I do. I made you carry it, and I was—I hadn't eaten all day because I just basically got there and bolted straight out there and hadn't eaten. Silly me. Um, I had some water, but I hadn't eaten, and all of a sudden I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's a run. And it's like a, like an angel turns up. He says, "Oh, Ross, how are you going?" I said, oh, yeah, "I am great." You know, he says, "You're all right." I said, oh. "Yeah, I just need to sit down. I'm getting a bit of a heat stroke, or you know, just the heat—the the heat's getting to me." He said, yeah, do you want something to eat? Do you want some bars? Do you want some bars? I went, yeah. And he just reached into his bag, opened up a fresh box of caddy snacks and ripped out a couple, oh, a cu- r- ripped out a couple of mockers and a couple of macadamias. And uh, and it's dead set got me through because I hadn't eaten. It was about 2 o'clock by this time and I was flagging. Um, so, Arun, thank you for being a little saviour um, because it was great. Thank you very much, and caddy snacks. If, any, if anyone is on the caddy snacks website, as a professional purchaser, purchase there's a mixed dozen box where you get a uh, three of each flavor um that's a good first box to get because then you can figure out what you want and then after that just buy the chocolate because that's what i buy they're the best <laughs> i'm not uh, every every time i've done i've just i just buy chocolate every time i'm the mocha like you can mocha's good too it's can, actually what are you gonna say i was just gonna you can decrease your, your coffee intake and yes and just have a mocha bar and it gives because you, that, you can you can actually taste the coffee like yeah. it's got really good flavor to it yeah Oh, but they're all great. If there's the mocha, the chocolate, the the macadamia, and the apple, 
So the apple and the macadamia are lighter colour bars and more, you know, fruit-driven, I guess. But the, the mm. chocolate and the mocha, are, if you like a bit of chocolate, get into that. But if you like coffee and a bit of sort of chocolatey, get mocha. into those. I love them. Uh, so thanks, everyone. That was great. And you can see, obviously, everyone was up there, a big supporter of the, the cathedral. He was up there, had his bars out there, all, all the best players that were up there, grabbing handfuls of them and just stuffing them in. I did give a couple to David Howell, Arun, if you're listening this far. David Howell, uh, two times Ryder Cup player, a uh, number of times winner on the tour. I gave him a couple. So you might want to tap David Howell and say, how did you like the bars that Ross gave you at uh, the Pro-Am? He might, be, he might want some over there in Europe. There you go. Uh, we should say before we move on from yes. David Howell, um, shout out to Gunnar, Gunnar, oh. as, the, as the family calls him, Gunnar, Gunnar Weeby, Gunnar. Gunnar. Um, how can we, how can we forget we, the other the other name that we brought to Australia? That's it. The other uh, the other international that we followed, we, we we were so excited for him and the family on Saturday afternoon because he'd made a he'd made a pretty he had a bit of a tough seventeenth hole, but then fought back and had a uh, a really good eagle on eighteen and got himself up to the top ten. And he was really trying hard to fight for that. Um, Open Championship spot. That was a that was a big game if he wasn't going to win, and he had a bit of a bit of a um, up and down final round and dropped away a little bit. But he's um, he's doing really well for a guy who's just got his card through the DP World Tour tour school. Um, they were telling us there's obviously PGA of Australia last week, Aussie Open this week, and then he's off to um, Dunhill. Alpha Dunhill, I think he was this week, wasn't he? South Africa. He was going going somewhere else, and then yeah. he was off to maybe the Middle East after that. So. Non-stop travels when you're fighting for your cards or fighting for a bit of status. But how good? How good is it? Like two weeks ago, we were sitting there looking at the review of the field, having half a laugh at some names that we'd never heard of. You know, Gooder Weeby being one, and you know, we're known for picking out names that we don't know anything about, and then jumping on. You go up to Queensland, and you all of a sudden are meeting his. Was it the same people you met? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Yeah. His wife and. Um, and their brother, little baby, yeah, and brother-in-law, and then her sister and her boyfriend, and there, there we are on Saturday, just catching up again, just catching up That's again, it. and uh, getting a little bit more of the lowdown on Gunnar Webby and uh, Gunnar, and, uh, and he's clearly playing good golf. Like he was right in the mix come come the final day of, of an Australian Open, so he's he's playing some good golf, and he finished quite well the PJ as well. So uh, look. Maybe he's there's a lot of maybe. players that come here and don't make but don't make one cut. He's made two, two out of two. Maybe he's our 2023 uh, Smokey for the uh, DP World Tour. Maybe he's our, he's our guy. Well, I can tell you now, he is playing. I'm just looking up. He is playing in the Alfred Dunhill. Um, and, yeah, his last two starts have been 17 and 18. And, uh, yeah, clearly... You're going you you know, to have a trouble, trouble factoring the uh, DP World data like... Uh, with some new names in there. No, I'm looking at it now. Oh, it's not my day late. I will shout it out. It's um, uh, Smart Golf Bets, Mike, who is, for anyone who wants to look at a basic database that just tells you course form and recent form, Mike is your man. Uh, the website's called Smart Golf Bets. He's a very, 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 very smart Kiwi man, been traveling all around the world, been involved in, um, in golf and um, betting on golf for a very long time. And he's got his his database there for anyone that wants to have a look at it, their tools. Um, so he has it all mapped out. The age of the player, their world golf ranking, their nationality, the course form, how they've played at the Alfred Dunhill back to 2010, and then their recent form, and then what the odds are. That's all they're waiting for him. But, yeah, he's got Gunnar there. Gunnar's sitting there waiting waiting, uh, 
waiting it. He he ranks him about two hundred and fifty to one. All the bookies are giving two hundred fifty to one. So good luck to Gunnar this week or Gunnar as the boy as um as the guys called him. Will you be on? It'd be silly not to. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some of those favourites that I'm gonna follow from now on. It's one of those ones that'll either cost me money or make me money at some point. Yeah, but you've, um, you've, you're taking a fair head start into the season. Like in fairness, like mm. if the season's the the betting season for Mike Caridi is finished. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's you've we've minted a new currency. Like oh we did yeah sorry yeah no um yes last week I did have a couple of bets and one was on Minwoo and one was on. Moronk. So that worked out well because coming into the final round, I was the only Australian not cheering for Adam Scott. Um, but that's okay. But um, it's funny. I think listening to Adrian post round three and they asked him about the opportunity to play with Adam Scott in the final round and he was honestly said, I couldn't look forward to it more. Something like, you know, like he's been a, a, an idol or a hero of mine for a long time. Um, would love to play with him. And you could tell he wasn't going to be phased by it. He was playing great golf. He'd found whatever he needed to in his putter. So I was feeling pretty confident. But knowing how everyone was playing 17, I just still knew that anything could go wrong here. So I wasn't. there was no chickens being counted. Um, but yeah, he held on, which was great, which was good. So yeah, that'll help the coffers for at least the next couple of months. A Moronk. Is a, is a Moronk equivalent to a Minwoo? Are they the same stature? Uh, no. Moronk's about... Half a minwoo. Okay, well, of course. Somewhere around there. Of yeah. course, it was an Australian event. It wasn't a DP World Tour or US no, event. So Moronk has no. is always going to be worth all. Well, well, I think he was only about half. But minwoo when it went minwoo when the minwoo was minted, yeah. he was two hundred and fifty to one. Hmm. He was two hundred and fifty to one to win that Scottish Open. That's ridiculous. So, um, so the, the official currency of my love of golf is is the the lower scales is a Moronk. A Moronk, a min, I think it was, yeah, we'll min, call a Moronk, a Minwoo, and a Morikawa. A Morikawa, yeah, there you go. And it's funny that they all um, they all start with M. <laughs> Maybe we've got to start both. Who am I going to bet this week? I'm going to bet, I'm going to find someone. Here we go. Eduardo, Eduardo Molinari is <laughs> running this week. 41 years old, get on him. <laughs> yeah, a couple of Bolinaris. Uh <laughs> Very good. Uh, Mike, thank you very much. Uh, as I said before, it was great to see you at the men's, women's, all abilities, open championships that were run and done in Australia. Uh, let's hope it's the start of something big for our burgeoning media careers. That's it. Uh, do you do any writing? Can you can you write some press releases and stuff like that? I used to write a lot, but not so much anymore. Rocket's the Rocket's the uh, the, the the man with the pen. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, we do. We need to we need to figure that out. We also need to figure out maybe one more podcast before the year's out and we can review the year and um and get a few things down for next year. And have the big Christmas draw. And and more importantly, uh, make sure everyone is across the start date for the Teepster competition. Ah yes. Can you believe it's nearly the end of the year? Uh, okay. Mm. It is nearly the end of the year. Let's get on with it and uh get this one out and then we'll be back with one or two more. I've got a couple of interviews to come out. I'm just working on getting those tidied up and uh, you'll have some extra entertainment over the Christmas period. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the My Love of Golf podcast.